Hello, creative cutie. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer, songwriter, public speaker, actor, and creative coach. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim the word creative, take fear out of the driver's seat, and love yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. Today, we have part two of two of our interview with Susan Catanio, and she's an award-winning singer-songwriter, teacher at the prestigious Berklee School of Music, an all-around phenomenal human who's had number one hit singles on the Billboard charts and a lot more. And her most recent album, All Is Quiet, truly cracked open my heart. It is a must-listen, and it has so much deep, emotional, beautiful, gut-wrenching, inspirational music. So today we're going to dive deeper into her music. We're going to talk about not rushing the journey and staying present to what you're going through, how the journey is actually the destination, as hard as that is to understand to somebody who has anxiety, who wants to get somewhere, who's deeply driven. She gives us some tips on how to focus on the journey and realize that these are the diamond days. Tips for her younger self, talk about mental health about how being a parent has expanded her creativity, and so much more. So here she is, Susan Catanio. I'm curious. I want you to join this Unleash case study. I'm doing like a very unofficial case study with all the women who come on my show who are mothers. The thing that I found okay. with every single mother on my show, because this is going back to the ageism thing, but there's definitely a fear within especially creative or entrepreneurial women that I have to do every single thing I want to do before I have a kid. And then after I have a kid, I have to completely sacrifice myself and never do those things I want to do again. But the thing I found on my show is that every single woman has had their greatest success post-child. And I'm curious if you feel that is also true for you. Oh, a thousand percent, a hundred thousand percent. I mean, I think like definitely. I mean, you know, the stuff that I was creating before we had kids, I was trying to chase something. It was like, I really felt like, who, who do you want me to be? I will convert myself into that person. If you like me, will you like me if I'm like this? I mean, I literally, I was in Nashville. I was writing for other artists. And I, after a while, I, I actually developed a Southern accent and I am from New Jersey. So I do not <laughs> come by a Southern accent, honestly, but I was so desperate to be part of the group to fit in that, you know, I was like willing to do whatever and write whatever, like, what, what do you want me to write? I'll write it. You want an elephant, a blue elephant? I'll do it right now. And I think that, uh, when we had kids, I was still teaching at Berkeley and, um, I, so I had this, like this, this musical outlet. So Mm -hmm. I would, you know, I would go once a week to my classes and that would be a chance for me to dress in real clothing and not have spit up on me. But the other times I was at home with the kids. And I remember thinking that, you know, there's something about raising a a little human that, that makes it so that you have this sense of the world in a, in a totally different way. Like, for example, you know, I love to ski and I I was super nervous about skiing after I had kids. Cause suddenly I was like, I have a lot to risk here. I can't get hurt because I'm in charge of someone else. And I think that, you know, lots of, of that kind of thing changes you, you know, the, the idea of like the world is not just about me. 
the world is not just about what I'm creating and me as an artist and what I have to say. No, the world now includes someone that I'm in charge of and someone who I want to raise up to be a, a wonderful, independent little person someday. And I think that that really alters you. Um, I have to say that I was, I was still on the, the, the country music path when my kids were little. I'd, I'd started to perform myself as a country artist and, um, and an event, I will tell you in truth, an event that happened to me changed my life. So uh, I was here in our house with the kids. It was around Christmas time. And um, a, a woman that was cleaning our house fainted down the front stairs into the kitchen and needed CPR and almost died in my kitchen, which was really intense. And I saved her life. And coming from that, coming back from that, like that, you know, I had like six months of PTSD where I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it was really hard. And then once I recovered from that, I could not go back and write the stuff that had no meaning for me that might've been well-crafted, but it didn't mean anything to me. So that life event really changed the course of my writing. And I suddenly was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not here to please anybody, but myself and whoever I'm writing my muse. That is the only responsibility that I have is to create something that feels authentic to what I have to say as a, as a creative human. And I stopped writing that style of music. And I went into a more Americana, more authentic sound for me and have never looked back. Like for me, that was the, that was the moment where I was like, I am now finally authentically myself. Wow. So, yeah. That is beautiful and powerful. You've had a lot of touchstone moments in your career. I have. And I, I think about that because it's like, oh, you know, I'll be going along this way and I might not be very happy. And then something will happen and I'll be like, oh, now I'm going this direction. And I think that it's these life events. Once again, coming back to the fact that I have had these life events that have really made me who I am. They've made me who I am for the good and for worse, but you know, they, they really have transformed what art I'm putting out into the world and how I take in what is going on in the world and convert it into something like a song or a story or a poem. It really changes, you know, when, when, when you realize that life is fragile, then life becomes something to be examined more, I think. So that kind of brings me to your song, Diamond Days. Because we know life is fragile, sometimes we want to hurry through it. But because it's fragile, that's why we shouldn't. And, and also we can't, we can't ever control anything, right? I call it clutching your fate, but when you're clutching your fate, you're not allowing for life to fall into your hands. So, and that has been my big struggle lately. This is another tearjerker for me because I'm trying so hard to make things happen and do, and, and I get in that spinning wheel we talked about earlier. But to me, this Diamond Day songs was really talking about everyone's journey is different. You may be on a longer journey and that longer journey has beauty to it. Allow yourself to become the diamond through this pressure and through this long period of time. 
for people who are like me and potentially like you, at least your younger self, how do you sit in the moment when you're getting pressurized and becoming the diamond? To quote my own song, like, you know, the only way out is through. Like there really, there, there is, I mean, uh, you know, uh, there, there's the dramatic way out. Like you could choose not to live, but you know, I, I think how, how do you get through it? I, I think time, you know, it's so funny because I, I think the, the, the other kind of major event that happened to me is my dog. Um, uh, I fell over my dog and fell down a flight of stairs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the stairs, stairs have been like a thing for me, obviously. And and I, I broke, I broke like seven bones and had to have surgery and it was a really slow and long recovery. And I remember thinking, you know, that this was, it was really tough. It was really tough, but I got better after a little while. And what happened? Oh, this is actually cool. What happened is that, um, I was in a, you know, chronic pain, really, really difficult, not sleeping, you know, it was a really rough time. And I found this friend of mine on Facebook who had also broken his wrist the year before. And I reached out to him on Facebook and was like, you know, look, I just want to let you know, this accident happened to me. And I also broke both feet and I was concussed and I'm just really having a hard time. And I wondered how it was for you. And he's like, call me immediately. So I call this guy who I know kind of peripherally, he's an acquaintance. And he's like, it was the worst year of my life. He's like, it was the most painful thing I've ever been through. And he's like, but I have, I'm here to tell you it's a year later for me and I'm okay. And you're going to be okay. And I think that that for me was two lessons. One, the idea of reaching out to your community and your friends and your family is the lifesaver to get through these kind of things, to find someone who is a kindred spirit that can kind of share in your experience can be real. Like, I can't tell you how helpful that was. And the second thing was that it was, it wasn't somebody that I expected. Mm. It's not, it was not, you know, a family, deep family member or a dear friend that I'd known forever. It was like a guy that I knew who was a fellow musician who took the time to, to talk to me. And it it really was a game changer because I was like, okay, okay. It's really, really bad right now, but you know, I have six more months until it will be a year. And I know that I know that I'll be better then. And so that was a, so, you know, how do you get through the diamond days? You find community, you don't isolate yourself. You try and practice self-care. You do the things that bring you joy, whatever they happen to be. And, and you take each day and know that for me, I think when I was in my twenties and thirties and forties, no, maybe my forties had changed, but definitely twenties <laughs> and thirties. If I was feeling something, it felt like I was never not going to be having that feeling. It was like, oh my gosh, this is where I am right now. And I'm going to be in this, this sad, terrible place forever. This is my life. Oh my God. And what time taught me was the fact that how I'm feeling is always going to change. So I might have a rough day and I might have a day when I'm feeling insecure and when I'm feeling like I want to hide in my house and I don't want to make music and how do I deserve to make music? I'm not worthy, whatever that is. And I now tell myself, oh, this is just how you're feeling today. 
and tomorrow you'll feel differently. You'll be, you'll be better tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. It really does. To quote Annie. Yes. TV, Annie, little orphan Annie always comes through in the end. <laughs> that little redheaded darling really had some great advice. <laughs> Can I tell you something, Susan? I wanted yes. to be Annie so badly when I was little. I did too. Did oh my God. Did you ever God. get to? No. Me neither. So here's I my big Peter idea. Okay, oh, that's oh, amazing. Yes. So here's what I want to do. You can join me yes. on this. I want to create a version of Annie where all the orphans are played by adults and all the adults are played by children. <gasps> I love that so idea. So we can achieve our dreams. <laughs> yes. I love that. I feel I like we that. could get someone to fund it. So I'll keep you updated yes. on that. We could play it like, you know, I'll play it one night. You play her the next night. We'll go back and forth. Oh. That'd be amazing. Yes. The Unleashed production of Annie the Musical. (laughs) Annie 2.0. Yes. The better version. (laughs) The more mature version. The more mature version. We bring a different perspective. (laughs) So I want to go to your teaching because I I have a million more songs, questions about your songwriting. I hope I can have you on again because I just, I love you. I love what you stand for. And I'm obsessed with your music and could talk to you for probably an hour about each of the songs on this album. Um, and I feel the same way about your podcast. I just want to oh, say, love your podcast. I've been listening you. and I was like, this is awesome. And you cover so many topics and it's just, I, I'm really enjoying them. So thank oh, you. Thank you thank so you for much. for doing that. Oh my gosh. Well, it's my honor and my pleasure. And uh, I just feel so grateful to be talking with you right now. But, and I'm also really happy that you um, are teaching young artists because I think it's so vital that they are given a safe place to land that doesn't further do any damage to them. I know that the world is going to probably hurt them in some ways, but that somebody like you who is artist first and obviously has so much wisdom to impart from a technical perspective, but also from a spiritual emotional perspective. And I'm curious, like, what is the top non-musical lesson that you teach your students so that they can go out in the world and um, be okay? I think that I try, it's so funny because that is, you know, I teach them a lot of tools and a lot of techniques, right? So it's very technique based. It's very much like, how do you get over writer's block? And how do you develop a metaphor? And what do you do to create a really compelling chorus? But I think what I'd like them to know is the fact, like we do this exercise where I'll be like, tell me your first memory of making music, Mm. whatever it is. And everybody laughs and they, they usually tell me like some story about like, oh, you know, uh, my, my, you know, I used to sing, uh, in, in, uh, in my house. Like I (laughs) I used to sing to my dolls and I'm like, there was a, an unbridled freedom and beauty about expressing yourself creatively that over years becomes completely shut down and judged by all of the people who are telling you can't do it and all the things, all the experiences that have happened to you. And so I think I would like to say that I leave my students with trying to remember and reconnect with that feeling, with that little person who loved to sing or who loved to play their guitar or who loved, who fell in love with, I don't know, John Mayer and and was like, Oh my God, I love this music. And this is what really inspires me. I know I want to do this. And I think that that is what I try and create in my classroom is this sense of like, I really am into like play 
Mm. Right. Cause the verb is to play music. The verb is not to self-loathe music. Woo! <laughs> right. Snaps, honey. So, so I like to return to that. I think that that learning and songwriting is fun and songwriting should be fun and songwriting should be a malleable, super fluid thing that also has rule, not rules. I don't want to say rules has like tools and techniques that you can use to make yourself better. But I think that it inherently comes down to freeing up your self-expression. Yeah. And I think, you know, something interesting, I, I write with a lot of people from Berkeley. Actually, my roommate is uh, a Berkeley graduate. She studied engineering there and like, it's amazing what they come out with. And I love writing with people from Berkeley because they have so much technical knowledge. And what I think I bring to the table is I say, why don't you forget that? And let's try this weird thing instead. And then they ground me in reality and it's great. The thing I have seen some people, whether it's Berkeley or another music school that they come out of like a program with is they're so wrapped up in the rules that they forget how to play. So whether it's music or something else, what would be your advice for somebody on how to get less rigid and get more into the play and the love and embodying the music? Well, some of that unfortunately has to come from time once again. So I think like, so I went to Berkeley. So I had a whole career as a, as a TV writer producer before I quit my job and went to Berkeley as okay, a student. Badass. As, as like, but like, but so you know, I came to music late. I was in my thirties right. when I decided I'm going to be a musician full-time crazy. And, but I think that, um, I became so immersed. I'm such a rule follower. I'm so like, this is how we do it. This is what it happens, you know? And I graduated from Berkeley and all the songs that I wrote were so like forced, stiff, weird, like this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to take the song this way, rigid, hard, overwritten. And it took time. It took time for me to relax. And it took time for me to start to collaborate to collaborate with other people who had not had that kind of rigid creative upbringing to make me loosen up and to make me realize, I remember I I played with this guy. He's so great. And I feel like everybody should have this guy in your band at some point. So he's a mandolin player. He's a fabulous musician, very intuitive, doesn't really learn the songs because he knows the songs. They just kind of feel it's like a feel thing for him. And I remember like he literally, we did a gig one time and we were sharing the bill. So it was his song, my song, his song, my song. And he didn't send me any songs ahead of time, (laughs) nothing. And I was like, and I'm like, you know, type A personality. I need to practice. I need to know the words. I know he's like, no, it'll be good. We're not doing brain surgery. We're just making music. And I was like, oh, what? I don't make music like that. I make music rigidly. (laughs) And I, I did a bunch of shows with him. And after a while, it got to a point where it's like, okay, what's the song? He's like, well, it's called this and it's in the key of A. One, two, three. And we would just play and go. And I'm like, oh my God. But as a result of working with him, it made me so relaxed that it probably, I probably like swung the other direction. So I literally was like, I would be writing songs and I would have a show that night. And I would say to the band, three minutes before we went on, I want to try this new song here. Here it is. Here's like a chart with some of the things <laughs> it goes like this. And they'd be like, what, you know, I, I, so I did that a lot, but it, it you know, when I used to in, a, in my twenties, when I would perform, if I would mess up the words, 
I'd be like, oh no, I messed up verse two. I didn't do verse two correctly. No one knew verse two. So it's not like if I messed it up, anybody would care. But I was like, you know, and now I just, it's not that I don't care, but I don't care. I don't care as much. Yeah. It's not as important to be perfect. It's more important to have fun. Yes. Yes. You care, but you care in a different direction. You're more dedicated to the joy than to perfectionism, which is when real magic starts to happen. People don't want to see someone up on the stage who's like, where's the next key change? Where's the chord? People want to have fun. They came to see you enjoy yourself. They came to see you be yourself. Right. That's what's interesting. And that's why I think I... I feel so much resonance with your music because you are not hiding anything. It's how I aspire to be on this podcast in my life, certainly in my music. Like listening to your music made me go, okay, you got to step up your game. Like all the songs you've released so far, you've been hiding at least a little bit. Maybe it was behind a joke. Maybe it was behind production. What if you put out a song where it was like just you and the guitar and telling really hard truths? Oh, I can't wait. I will buy that song. Okay. I'll let you know when it comes out. Maybe I'll just call it Susan. (laughs) I love that. But I think seriously, and you'll feel like it's almost like letting, you know, you're letting the cat out of the box, right? Like once you do that, you'll, you're never the same again. And you never want to go back to that other way. Like it feels like, oh, you know, it's like, it's like a being in a river, where you're fighting against the current and you're work, working so hard and then something you turn and suddenly you're like, oh, this is, this is, I'm in the flow now. This is so much easier. Why did I fight that? So I totally think you should do that. Okay. I'm going to, I honestly Yay. feel inspired. So I have about a million more questions for you, but we're going to have to have a part two someday for okay. now. You know, it's interesting that you brought up that thing about talking to your younger self, because that's a recurrent question I ask on the show is what would your younger self say to you? So we kind of got what the four-year-old version of you would say, but I'm curious if you could go back to that version of you in your thirties, when you were first starting music, when you were reinventing yourself, by the way, so brave. And we could do a whole episode about how to reinvent yourself at different stages and have many lives within one life. But to yes. go back to that 30 something version of yourself, what do you think if you two were both standing in the same room, she would say to you now and why? Oh, she would probably, <laughs> she would probably be like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Should I be doing this? Is this like, she would be a nervous wreck. <laughs> <laughs> and, but she would be really excited about the prospect of following a dream. I think that that, you know, for me, like I I had this thing happen to me that was really profound. So I was working in television. Uh, We had just moved to Boston. I'd heard about Berkeley. I secretly thought, oh my gosh, I really want to go to Berkeley. And I, but I, should I quit my paying job? I'm in my thirties. Oh my God, what am I doing? And I remember walking, I was walking down the street in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I, I'm not religious, but I was like, God, God, give me a sign. I need a sign. Should I stay with my job or should I quit my job and go to Berkeley? And I looked down, totally not kidding you. And in between the slats of the sidewalk, there's something shiny. 
And I reach down and pick it up. And it's a single silver treble clef earring. I and I was chills. like, that is awesome. I'm like, I could not have been more clear. And, but of course, you know, I have to tell you, I was so willing to leave behind that other world and join the music world that probably like, it probably would have gotten to a point where I would have said, you know, like if a bird flies over me <laughs> anytime today, I should quit my job and go to Berkeley. So it was funny because, you know, I, I, I was really looking for a change in my life. And the fact that that, that happened, I just felt like, ah, oh, thank you. Thank you, universe. I needed a really clear sign and I got it. And it, it like, it just really, it really, it was like, okay, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> what would you say to her? Time for Diet Coke break. Yes, yes, yes. Da 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 da. I really need it up. Love what you love. Diet Coke. Get runway ready. A chance to win the ultimate shopping experience plus hundreds of prizes curated by Kate Moss. Promo packs in store, 18 plus, T's and C's. Visit coke.co.uk slash break. I would say to her, well, six, I think like she needed to follow. She needed to go on that path. She needed to write for other artists. She needed to feel what it was like to follow the trend, desperately try and follow the trend it almost felt like, you know, wearing somebody else's clothing, you know, mm. I was like, she needed to do that to know at some point that it wasn't who she really was. So I would say to her, which she would say to me, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm doing this thing. <laughs> Is it okay that I'm doing this thing? And I would have been like, yes, yes. Follow your instincts, follow what your heart is telling you. It's the right decision. You'll never look back and regret it. So that's what I think I would say to her. And then I would also say like, you know, there are going to be some hard times ahead, but every hard time is going to make you a more full-bodied creative person. Mm. Every, all of those experiences that you're going to have are going to help you create art and speak to the world in a way that feels really authentic to who you are. Well, you do just that, Susan. So thank you so much for what you create, for all you shared today, and for just existing in the world. I'm so happy that we get to be alive at the same time and that I get to listen to your music all the time now. And um, thank you for being on the show. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to my guest, Susan Catanio. Be sure to check out part two of our conversation airing next Wednesday, July 6th. It's a must-listen. In the meantime, follow Susan on Twitter at Susan Catanio and pick up her album, All Is Quiet, wherever you buy or stream your music. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag Susan at Susan Catanio so she can reshare. My wish for you this week is that you realize the journey is the destination and enjoy where you are exactly where you are right now. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week. <laughs>